Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh my goodness, yes. Can you guys just, can you guys just thank our incredible worship team? Wow, for just, you know, it isn't going to burn in this room if it's not first burning on them, amen. And I'm just grateful that we have a worship team led by our amazing worship pastor, Amy, that allows the burning to take place in the private, amen. Come on, somebody. Oh, well, good morning. How did you enjoy your 12 inches of snow? Oh, my goodness. God bless Michigan, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Lord, we just rebuke the snow in Jesus' name. No, I love it. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, eh? Like, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's fantastic. Last year, it didn't snow until the 24th, and that was when Adrienne fasted and prayed. So, um, needless to say, you have heard a blame for Michigan upchucking on itself uh, the last 14 hours or so. But anyways, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Are you grateful to be found in the house of the Lord? Come on, are you grateful for that time in worship? Man, I had a moment, and this is just me and the Lord, and you can, I'm going to give you a little behind, behind my veil. Here we go. I had a little moment with the Lord where, you know, prophet said of the house, Zach Kramer, he got up here and gave us a brilliant word about getting lost in the sauce. And I'm like, I love getting lost in the sauce. Being lost in the sauce, it's my favorite sauce. Like, I love it. And, but I'm going over my notes, right? And I'm like, doing my thing. And God's like, is there a moment that's about to happen in the history of your church that I tr entrusted you with and blessed you with that you're going to miss out on? I was like, you know, and he was like, you always talk about leading first, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put my notes down. I, tr I trust you, God. I can't, I can't be a part of something. I can't miss out on something monumental in the life of our church, and I believe that's what just happened. Because I don't know about you, but man, heaven looks like the young and the old alike coming before the throne and the feet of King Jesus, amen, and throwing down every crown, and that was what was happening. Age groups were represented, different economic statuses were represented, different nations and tribes and tongues were represented here at the altar this morning. Sounds like heaven. Yes. Amen. Speaking of heaven, I have a little slice of heaven, and she preached the house down last week. How good was Pastor Adrienne? You know what I'm saying? Telling you what, men, become a preacher, you get real slick with the, uh, the cute talk. You know what I'm saying? Brownie points. All right, anyways, I'll stop before I ruin everything the Lord has done. But yeah, she preached a brilliant in-season word last week, and uh, man, God, rest, uh, God moving on an active object. Come on, somebody. Fantastic. The will and the word, it's up on YouTube. If you didn't hear it, check that out. It's so good. Anyways, this morning, we are continuing our series, Pierce the Veil. Has this blessed anybody so far? Has this challenged anybody so far? Has this upset you to your core so far? Praise, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I love it. That's my prayer, man. I'm not interested in a church that just gives me cotton candy and lets me have a tummy ache. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to throw up later. I'm trying to get full on the meat of the Lord. I'm trying to look more like him, sound more like him, act more like him. Come on, somebody. I'm not interested. And I wonder, I wonder, though, how many of us were about to enter 2023. This is the last Sunday service of 2022, believe it or not. I wonder how many of us are going to enter 2023 looking more like we did at the beginning of 2021 than what the Lord desired for us at the end of this year. I don't say that to upset you. I say that to give you some perspective. Yeah. 
you had 365 days of your life, breath in your lungs that God gave you, that he did not owe you, that he saved you from hell, sin, and destruction. And how much more do you look like him at the end of these 365 days? Maybe we should evaluate that, you know? Well, this morning, after that softball, uh, we are going to continue our series, Pierce the Veils. You're taking notes where my note takers at. Come on, let me know where my favorite people are. I love you. Uh, everyone else, get on our level, okay? Um, if you're taking notes, the title of my message, it's near and dear to my heart, and I'll explain a little bit of that later in my message, but the title of my message today for week nine. Somebody say week nine. Week nine. Week nine. Mm. Week nine is the secret place. The secret place. The secret place. Now, you may have heard this title before. It, it's, it's based out of scripture that we'll get to in just a second. But for me, this is more than just, you know, ear honey to the Christian. This is more than just something great for, you know, girls to post on their Instagram with a picture of the Bible and a latte. Like, the secret place to me is a place where I learned everything that I know about God. It's a place that has changed my life emphatically since I was 16 years old. Coming up here, I turned 32 in January, on January 9. Come on, somebody, I know people are like, use a blown out 32. Well, hey, calm down. Don't you judge my journey, okay? But yes, as blown out as I may feel and look like at 32, the Lord has been incredibly faithful to me and he has saved me from myself. And one of the things that happened is when I met him, it's going to be 17 years. I've been saved for 17 years. I've been preaching weekly for 17 years. This is what I am walking into is 17 years of doing this and pursuing. And I will tell you, the secret place, the secret place has meant everything to me in this journey. It's where I've learned to steward my gift. It's where I grew the desire to be the best in the world at what I do. It is where I decided, God, I want to give you something beyond what you've ever asked of me. And it was all found, that desire, that person. The secret places where Matt McClure went to die. And this man before you today is still finding new life in Christ daily in that secret place. Amen. So the title of the message is The Secret Place. And we're going to rip through some scripture and we're going to see what the Lord has for us. Amen. All right, here we go. If you got your Bibles, Matthew 6, 5 through 15, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. Um, can you guys give it up for Kenny and Adrian holding it down in the back? Yo, Adrian! Uh, also, hey, I made the mistake of giving the key to somebody, um, and by mistake, I mean a happy accident. Uh, and she, Miss Angie, our resident, she does so much more than this, but one of the most seen things that she does in our church, so much more, by the way, is she makes the bomb cafe every single week. And she rearranged all this, did all this Saturday, okay? So make some noise. Angie's the bomb.com, y'all. We love you, Angie. Prophetess of the house. Kelsey was on the place too? Yo, give it up for Killa Kelsey. I don't know where she's at. Um, she's usually in the booth somewhere controlling things from a distance. Is she and kids? Oh, come on. Speaking of which, hey, in 2023, please, uh, you don't need to pray about this. This, this is just what we do. Uh, but, but think about the place that you can serve in because we could really use people and kids um, because one, we love the next generation. Two, there's no junior Holy Spirit. Three, you're not missing out anything in here because the Lord can do it in there. And you can check the message up later because we live in 2022 and will be 2023. And I'm telling you what, man, the next generation, 
They need us. Right now, they are being discipled. Mom and dad, let me talk to you. They are being discipled by TikTok right now. Okay, do you know the amount of screen time your children are using right now? Tell me the devil isn't on those screens. Tell me he's not moving through TikTok and Instagram and all of these other places, okay? We cannot allow technology, TikTok preachers with zero theology, and stupid people on the internet to disciple our children. Amen? Man, when Adrian and I finally have a baby, yo, you ain't getting a phone until you check out, okay? 18 years old, where are you going? You going in the ministry? Dang straight you are. Here's a phone. It's a track phone, okay? We are about to be so John Wick with this thing, okay? You don't need the apps. Stay off it. All right, anyways, mom and dad, pray about that. All right, Matthew 6, 5, 15. Here we go, secret place. Oh, and this is a familiar scripture to our house, as, as I hope the whole Bible is. Um, but truly, um, the word of God goes forth and the word of God does not return void. And so I, honest to God, like, I feel like I could preach out of some of my favorite scriptures every week, every year for all of time. Um, but God has so much to say that we will never get through it in our lifetime here on this earth. Um, but I love going back and I never preach the same message twice. It's never happened. Um, it's just a conviction that God has given me, even when we were blessed to go and serve that great church out in New York City a few weeks back. It's a brand new message. It's just not how he and I work. It's, he has something new to say. Amen? Come on. So that's what we're going to do. Breathe on it, Lord. Matthew 6, 5, 15. Here we go. This is the words of Jesus. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Praise God. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. How about you say this with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to bring your word. Lord, <laughs> you're crazy. You're crazy God. You are a crazy God uh, for choosing someone like me to lead this platoon of prayer warriors. <laughs> <laughs> of Holy Spirit heavyweights, of men and women of all different ages and sizes and backgrounds and histories and colors and all sorts of things. God, just thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your grace, God. I can't imagine, Lord Jesus, had I ever missed out on this, had I ever missed out on you. Father, you can take the lights and the platform. Just give me Jesus. So, Father God, right now, I just ask, Lord, that you would begin to work in this room, Lord, 
Lord, I swear, I swear that first round of Yeshua's in that song, Lord, Amy wasn't up to the mic, Josh wasn't up to the mic, Evan wasn't up to the mic, and yet I was hearing angels singing, God. So I know, I know that I know that I know what I experienced this morning and that you are alive and you are active in this room right now. God, you are low in this room. So, Father, we lift up hands right now to receive what you have for us. Holy Spirit, give us direction for what is in our Father's hand for us as individuals and us as a house this morning. Lord Jesus, come. Have your way, Lord. We want what you have for us. And we know, God, we know you would never offer anything to your people, God, that would harm us. So, God, even if, even if what we reach out to this morning is a rebuke. We know that your best is in mind and your best is in your hand for our lives. So Father God, we just, <laughs> we throw off every robe of pretense. We take off every veil covering our eyes of self-righteousness. And right now we say, God, we are after you, only you, and that will be our song forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit, come. Fear, go back to hell. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said. Amen. How about you praise him for me? Go. Oh, man. So Christmas is next week. Come on. Oh, so Santa Claus doesn't. No, I'm kidding. All the parents are like, bro, don't. We'll get there. <sighs> Christmas is next week, and it's going to be awesome. Friday, 7 p.m., be here. We got, well, I'm going to be honest. We have a service planned, and then the Lord has his idea, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> I, uh, I in no way, shape, or form ever want to find myself in the place where I feel satiated by his spirit. I never want to find myself in a place where I've plateaued on his presence. I never want to find myself in a place where I become benign to what he's doing in the room. I don't want this to grow old. I don't want this to be a facade. I don't want this to be um, the worst thing that we could choose to do right now with what the Lord has been doing in our services since the summer is attempt to merchandise it. I don't want it to be on Instagram to simply just tell people, hey, the Holy Spirit's moving here and we get a bunch of inflammation from churches. No, no, no. I want us to value his presence because it's his presence. Not because of what it does for us. Not because it puts us on the map. Not because it grows us as a church. Not because it grows us as a family. Not because it grows us as individuals. All of those things are great and they are extra. They are the cherry on top and they are the butter for the ketos. His presence his presence, that's our desire, amen? Yes. His presence. And so why I'm excited about Christmas on Friday is because not only does that mean our incredible team who works so hard and serve so faithfully, they get to go and because every seven years Christmas falls on a Sunday, but they get to go and travel and relax and spend time with their family, come rejuvenated for January uh, 1. We do have a New Year's Day service that's going to be popping. Make sure you're here. But the reason I'm more excited, and no offense to my amazing team that I love, is that for the last nine weeks, we have spent just going hard in the paint, learning what it looks like to pierce the veil with God.
to live in intimacy with God, to enter into the most intimate, profound places deep in his presence where we are hidden in nothing but him. And then not only have we pierced that veil, we have learned to occupy that veil. We have learned to open it and then live within it. That has been the chief goal of Takeover Church for the last nine, month, or nine weeks. And it's also been the chief goal of heaven for the last 2,000 years. And we have joined in with that song of heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We will enter your gates with praises. Amen. And so why I'm excited is because for the last nine weeks, we all have been learning what it looks like to steward that, what it looks like to be built up in that, what it looks like to make that our chief aim and be everything that we exist for and long for and go after. Why does that excite me? Because on December 23rd at 7 p.m., our friends and our family, saved and unsaved alike, I pray that we have to put up more seats, that every seat is filled in this house, that you do the co-laboring with us and the co-laboring with Christ, and you invite everybody you know to this service because I wonder talk about what no eye has seen, no ear has heard. I wonder what we would see and what we would hear in a room full of our friends and our families, the people that we love the most, completely just engulfed in the presence of Lord Jesus. You see, Lord Jesus, it's just a fact of life that he has total dominion and authority. Amen. Problem is, He's not always in a room with people that recognize his total dominion and authority, but also relent to his total dominion and authority. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what he is able to do in the lives, not just our lives, in the lives of those we bring to Christmas service when they are surrounded by his presence and a people that recognize it and relent to it. I haven't seen it, but I want to see it. I haven't tasted it, but I want to taste it. I haven't heard what that worship sounds like, but I want to hear it. Do I have anybody today that wants to hear the sound on Christmas? I do, because I'm believing for just radical salvations, rededications. I love, man, we serve the God who, <laughs> we don't, we don't, I love the song, Make Space. I love it, or Make Room, whatever it is. That's great. I love it. It's also really cute that we think we have to make room for Jesus. No. He's going to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, as he sees fit and how it pleases him. Amen? But what I do with agree with in that song and that idea of making room for him is that he can do exceedingly above all we can ask, dream, or imagine when we also recognize and relent to he does what he wants. He goes where he wants. He overcomes. He delivers, he heals, he does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, as it pleases him. And then all of a sudden, because we relent and we recognize, not only does what God does in the room please him, it pleases us. Yeah. And how much more can God do in our lives when what he wants to do doesn't just please him, but pleases us? Come on. We need to get a better theology of letting God's ways please us. Too many of us, clock watchers, clock stoppers, come on. Let his ways please you. It pleases him. And he's quite simply the only opinion I give a rip about. And then somewhere 50 yards on the track is my wife and, you know, 
but that's who he is, amen? So December 23rd, this Friday, 7 p.m., it's going down right here for Christmas. And I love Christmas services. I didn't used to. I didn't used to. I used to be an idiot. I used to be an absolute idiot. I used to think Christmas was bogus and lame and all of these things. And then I met Jesus again. Uh, and he was like, hey, does it matter if I wasn't born in December? Doesn't matter that Christmas isn't like a quote unquote whatever holiday. It is taken from pagan origins. But that's just what church has always done. We take over. You know what I mean? It's so silly. Go back and watch my Halloween video on YouTube. We took that over too. That's just what the church has always done. I'm sorry, the devil doesn't get a day. Pagans don't get a day. Nobody else gets a day. Jesus gets the day. Every day. Amen? Gosh, no wonder Christians don't live lives for Christ every single day because they are too busy giving days to other people, lesser lovers, lesser gods, lesser people, lesser kings and queens, and we are giving authority of the day to things that are dead and beneath the feet of those adopted into the kingdom of heaven. The devil doesn't get any days, amen? Jesus wins them all. So I'm excited, and I believe, I believe, I am more emphatically convinced today that, man, I want to join in with the global church, the worldwide bride. I want to join in with her, and I want to wrap Jesus the best gift possible. I want to give him such an offering, such a sacrifice on the weekend that everyone in the world who recognizes Jesus, Lord, and even those who don't, we have fooled them into it. The whole reason you're spending money you don't have to and hanging out with people you don't actually like called family, the whole reason you're doing it is because of Jesus. The whole reason you've got a year, the whole reason you've got a birthday, the whole reason we keep track of time, because of Jesus. So welcome to the Jesus party. Even if you don't know him yet, you are blessing him. You are celebrating him. And for the global bride, I just want to give him a sacrifice fit for the bridegroom. Nobody gets you a gift on Christmas like your wife or your husband, amen? Because they know you the best. They've studied you. They've got you figured out. They love you the most. And that's how we should be on December 23rd. You may have not brought a single person to church all year long, and you should have, but if you didn't, Bring Jesus some people. Bring Jesus some praise. Bring Jesus some prayer. Bring Jesus a sacrifice. Amen. Well, Matt, I'm just not comfortable doing that. Sacrifice your comfort. Sacrifice your comfort. Well, Matt, I don't think I can be that boisterous at my job. Sacrifice your job. Pastor Matt, that's insane. Sacrifice your sanity. <laughs> I could play this game all day <laughs> because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Everything we get from him pales in comparison to the gift we get that is him. Amen? Amen. That's what this is about. Oh, man. Speaking of the church and Jesus and our relationship with him, I love the secret place. I love the secret place. I love being with Jesus. And, and I got to tell you, we were not, hear me today, church, we were not ever, ever, ever designed to be a prayerless people. 
We were never designed to have a prayerless life. We were never designed to be a prayerless people where all of a sudden we are a bride that doesn't talk to her husband. Where all of a sudden the body of Christ is paralyzed from the neck down where the body can't communicate to the head and no longer can the head communicate to his body. Amen. We were never intended, let that paint a picture for you, to be a prayerless people. Because we've been saying it for weeks, a prayerless life is a powerless life. A prayerless life is a powerless life. And let me tell you, you will succumb time and time again. You will be fooled time and time again. You will be tricked time and time again by lesser powers because you possess no power, because you possess no life of prayer. Not prayer life. I hate that phrase, by the way. That's the worst. Oh, my prayer life's not doing so good. No, no, no. Prayer should be your life. Prayer should be your life. Prayer should be your life. I don't get to put this thing in a nice little box and pretend like it's suffering right now and it's not doing well. No, no, no. What am I doing with my time? What does my life look like? How have I arranged it? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? My prayer life. Man, I'm, I'm so grateful that there are some churches in Iran and China right now that aren't stubbing their toe and getting a hangnail and going, my prayer life is suffering right now. No, they exist off prayer. They live another day by prayer. They risk life and limb. And is there children here? If you're a woman, bodily sexual attack, they risk it all to be found in the secret place, to be found in church, to be found in prayer. And we're over here privileged in America because we don't actually get persecuted besides CNN. And we go, my prayer life is suffering. No, miss me with it. Miss me with it. You either pray or you don't. Your life is either arranged around God or it isn't. He is either your Lord and not just your savior. Come on, somebody. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? Some of us today, we need to get a deep revelation of what it actually looks like to be a Christian, how we are to spend our time, what we are to do with it. Because there are so many people, I hear it all the time, man, my life is just in disarray. If your life is in disarray, newsflash, disarray, (laughs) disarray is the child of disorder. If your life is in disarray, your life is in disorder. Your life is out of order. If it is found chaotic, it is out of order. If your house is shaking, chances are you need to check the foundation. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Disarray, it's the love child of disorder and laziness. Don't give me a week off anymore. I won't come with a spanking, okay? That's so much happening the last two weeks. I'm like, come on. But this is it. I'm looking at the church right now. I'm looking not just our church. I'm looking at the church at wide. And what I am seeing grieves me deeply. Because right now, we are a prayerless generation. We are a prayerless generation. I love talking to old people. All the pastors and preachers I listen to are either old or dead. Not because I don't think young guys like myself have anything to offer. They're just who I want to be. Either kill me for the gospel or give me a long life of miracles and prayer time with the Lord where I leave this earth looking like him. That's what I want. 
So my heroes, the people I listen to, the people I get poured into by, are those men and women. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. That's where I want to go. And so when I look around the world right now, what I'm looking at in the church is I'm seeing people in China and Iran and some of these other places in Abu Dhabi, churches and Christians who are meeting underground, meeting in secret, meeting in hidden, and they are living off prayer. They are living off time with the Lord. It is actually nourishing their life. And here, he is just a convenience. He's not even a necessity. He's not even a necessity to us. He is a convenience. And I'm not even just talking about church and how we treat church as convenient. I'm talking about him as the one who has saved you from eternal damnation in hell, apart from him and no way back to him forever. He saved you from that. And yet we live prayerless lives. And I look at the bride at large and I'm going, why are we a prayerless generation? What happened to prayer meetings all the time? What happened to Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesdays? What happened to what church used to be where we couldn't wait to get to the house? Why? Because we truly actually believed at one point in time that Jesus, like Peter said, where else will we go, Lord? Only you have the words of life. Where else will we go? Where else could we go? Are you going to leave me like everyone else, Jesus asked? And he goes, Lord, you're the only one with the words of life. And I wonder today, are we, are we, are we going to be the house in this region that says, no, 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 no. Christ isn't a convenience. Christ is my conviction. Christ is my conviction. Christ is my conviction. You see, Right now, and trust me when I say this, y'all should know this by now. I don't know if there's a whole lot of new people in the room today, but let me tell you, uh, I love politics. I think Christians should be engaged. I think that we should vote. I think that we need to vote kingdom principles. I think we shouldn't be lazy and we should get off our butts and do our homework on candidates and policies and things like that. And you shouldn't just wait for me to have a night of voting and Q&A for you to learn all the details the night before. I think that we should all be doing this. Also, somebody say also. What I cannot stomach is a church that would rather cast their vote than cast their prayer. I can't stomach a church that would rather cast a vote than cast their care. I cannot stomach a church that would rather vote out a politician over praying for their salvation. I can't stomach that. I can't stomach that. We should be combating the evil and the natural ways and the wicked people and all the things. We should be coming against that in the natural with our civic duties that we are in America blessed to have, by the way. Love it. However, I cannot stomach a church that would rather worship at the steps and stairs of the White House, depending on who is in it, than be found at the feet of precious Lord Jesus. There is still only one way to the Father, and it is not the fence around the White House. It is the narrow way. It is the narrow way. There is only one thing that is going to bring revival to our land, and make no mistake about it, we need good legislation to be passed to protect people who don't know any better from harming themselves and others. Amen. However, the only thing that's going to usher in revival in Michigan, the Midwest region, and ultimately America at large is a praying church. Revival is our only export. Revival is our only export. 
We are called to have revival exported from heaven, imported to the church, and then exported to our region. That is who we are. The problem is we have fallen infatuated with lesser lovers, lesser kings, lesser podcasts, lesser messages, lesser ideas. And what has it forfeited us? Our relationship with our Father. A relationship with our Father. Friends, can I ask an honest question today? Do you have, do you have a, do you have a designated place in your home for prayer? Do you? Do you have a designated space and place in your home where you set an appointment for prayer? And can, can, can I ask you, hey, fellas, where are my guys at? Look at me. Let's get real real quick. We're still the head. Don't let this world and culture emasculate you from your calling as the head. We need men of valor. We need alphas and not betas. Amen. Men, let me ask you a question. How much have you spent on your man cave? No, seriously, how much have you spent on your living room? How much did you spend on the furniture, the chairs, the TVs, the sound bars, the Netflix subscriptions, the NFL packages? How much have you spent? Dead set. I, what, hundreds? Thousands, maybe, some of us? Depending on the TV and the sound bars and the NFL packages and all the subscriptions? How much have you spent? Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm kind of wondering, how much have you spent on what you entertain? And how much have you spent on your father in prayer and secret place? Let me ask you another question. How much do you know about Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, Bob Iger and whoever the heck owns Netflix, how much more do you know about these men and their lives and their stats than you do your own heavenly father? How much do you know? How much do you know? What birth dates, touchdowns, scores, games, years, championships, how much more of those date times and numbers associated with it do you know above scripture references? I think today we could ask ourselves, hey, how's, my, how's the health of my, <laughs> my prayer life is suffering? I wonder why. Because you have invested more in what entertains you over what makes you holy. Yeah. Come on. You have invested more. Imagine for a minute. I don't care if you spend money on a sweet TV. I don't care if you spend money on a sweet soundbar. I don't care if you buy the Bethel TV app as a subscription. What I care about is that you are putting your money where your mouth is and where your heart will ultimately, ultimately be, Lord Jesus says. And guess what? Guess where you will be found if you do that for your prayer room? in your prayer room because you've spent too much and it'd be too expensive not to be found in there. Can I tell you, in the natural, it'll be too expensive to not be found in there 
to make use of it, but in the supernatural, it'll be even more expensive not to be found in there and make use of it. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Secret place. Secret place. This is who we are called to be. This is what we are made to do. All the rest of this, modern conveniences, Listen, we haven't had preaching like this in 30 years because we decided we liked being friends with you over we liked you being friends of God, and I'm done with it. Come on. I'm done with it. Your friendship with me matters far less to me than your friendship with God. Amen? Far less. I don't even care if you like me. I'm here to give you the word of God. And I believe that you're called here to receive the Word of God. And I believe as you do that, we will begin to be a people who are made like Him. Amen. Ever notice how you don't like people who are becoming more like Jesus and you're not? <laughs> you ever had those seasons? Oh, they're just so holy. They're just so obsessed. They're just so perfect. Da -da 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 -da. And it's because you're over here in the secret place, not with God, but with yourself or your boo thing doing stupidity, stupid things. <sighs> Becoming less like Jesus than when you started with Jesus. And so then you're upset and jealous and quite, quite frankly bitter by the fruit of other people's lives. And then the other reason I think that we don't as a church in 2022 have a successful prayer life, life of prayer. The reason I don't believe that we have success in this area is because for many of us, for many of us, we've been told for 30 years in church, get out of your secret place and go to the streets. Get out of your secret place, get out of your prayer closets and go to the streets. Friends, if ministry from the Lord is eclipsed by your ministry unto people, you are out of order. If God's not building you, you should not be building others. If God is not building you, you should not be building others. Also, let me repent for every pastor for the last 30 years who said something so stupid like that when we serve a five-fold ministry God and those ministries don't fight. Evangelism and ministry to God and ministry from God are never in conflict. Never in conflict. But we've said some of you are spending too much time in your prayer closet. Some of you guys got too many soaked carpets. Too many of you guys, your Bibles are wrinkly from gripping it too hard. And it's like, hold up. Now we're in a generation that don't have any tears. Now we're in a generation that doesn't pray. And now we're in a, a generation that doesn't have a grip on their Bible. Instead, they have a loose grip on theology. Yep. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. Yeah, good. We got to stop. So let me repent publicly for every pastor for the last 30 years who has had an at-the-movie series, who has had something so stupid and decided we liked you liking us more than we liked you liking Jesus, okay? Let me repent for every soft hand, soft-spoken, weak-spined pastor for 30 years who got this wrong. Because we would rather seek those who want nothing to do with our God and will never produce any lasting fruit instead of be a people who seeks after God and like the book of Acts, allow God to add to our numbers daily. 
We're not of this world. I don't expect every person who comes through our doors as an unbeliever to be like, this is the best thing ever, this thing I have no clue about. I don't expect that. I expect God to grip them when they're here. Amen? Instead, we've built churches for outsiders instead of churches built unto him. And then we wonder why in 2022, the last 30 years are costing us and everybody who was fully in the last 30 years is now deconstructing out of it. Because we thought, we thought, we liked you filling seats over you being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we thought, hear me today, we thought we liked you liking us more than you being like Jesus. God forgive us. Amen. We've got to get back to Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? Am I preaching your house down? Have we parked in your front lawn? Are you offended? Good. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm upset. But not with God for the truth of his word, but for my own ignorance. God, I am going to stand before Jesus one day, friends, and not only give an account for my life and all of this and all these things, but I'm actually going to stand before Jesus one day, and so are you. And what's going to happen in that moment is you're going to realize he's more beautiful than you knew he was. He's more majestic than you ever thought. He is greater, bigger, badder, more powerful, awe-inspiring. You're going to stand before him. He's going to blow your mind, and you're going to realize... An hour and 15 minutes and 20 bucks on Sunday was not enough to give to Jesus. You're going to stand before him one day and you're going to go, man, two-hour messages and crazy long Sundays and all of these things, it still wasn't enough. Like, my Mondays, they weren't enough. My Tuesdays, they weren't enough. Like, we're going to stand before him in the most intimate position you have ever been in, in eternity. And you're going to realize, I, I could have gave you so much more. And yet we live lives saying, we live for Jesus. And yet we're going to find out we could have lived for him a whole lot more. And I don't want to wait till I'm in front of him and have no way of doing anything about it to have that revelation. I don't, I don't want to be able to look back and go, can I go to the back of the line? Can I start again? Send me back down, Jesus. Come on. I, need, I, got, I want to do more. And he's going to be like, time's up. I guess you should have had a pastor who cared about you eternally. Not just temporary, but eternally. Who told you these things when he had you in the room. You need a secret place. Can we just agree on one thing real quick? Can we agree on one thing? When Jesus said something, it has eternal consequences attached to it every single time. Let's go back to Genesis, shall we? Jesus, God's creating the earth, right? And he goes, <laughs> in the beginning, there was God the Father. And the word was with him. And then the spirit hovered over the earth, right? That's the beginning of Genesis, beginning of creation. 
Well, then what do we find out later in the Gospels and in Isaiah and all of these other books that prophesied about the coming of Jesus? That Jesus is what? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? First of all, let's point this out. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is all that God has to say about himself. Hear me today. I want to know God more. Get to know Jesus. <laughs> Second, okay, are you hearing me? Yes. Is this good? Yes. Is this helping? Second, everything Jesus says should come to pass unless acted on or avoided by an outside force. Matt, you're getting a little Newton's law on me. Yes, listen to me. Listen to me. When God in the beginning, he said, let there be light. What is that? The word, let there be light. And guess what happened? Light came on. Light happened. Creation happened. When God speaks, it creates universes. When God speaks, it has universe creating power behind it. When God says anything, it has creation power in its fiber. Are you hearing me? So how many words... Has Jesus said in his word written or his word spoken that much like creation responded when he said, let there be light, and creation what? Light came. But how many words written or spoken, and we've said this every week, Holy Spirit will never contradict the Holy Word of God, amen? How many words written or spoken have you allowed to leave you unchanged. Listen, listen to me. Creation doesn't reject God's word, but his church often does. Yeah. Hear me, hear me. Rivers will cease, mountains will get low, valleys will come high. Heck, at one point the sun stood still for a whole day in the Old Testament. Why? Because God said so. And when God said so, creation's only holy and perfect response should be change, should be relent. And yet, God can say, let there be light to non-sentient objects, things that he didn't create in his own image and likeness and things that don't have a brain and light will come on and be created. And yet God will say, my church prays, my house will be a house of prayer, and yet his people don't pray. How long do you think you can reject the word of God and remain in the will of God? How long? How long do you think you can reject the word of God and remain in the will of God? How long do you think you can reject God's word for your life and remain in his will for your life? Let's lower it. Forget will. How long can you reject God's word and remain in relationship with him? Friends, if, if creation rejects God's word, let there be light, what happens? Everything dies. So what happens when a Christian rejects God's word? Our faith dies. 
which Paul describes as the true death, as the true death. When you as your spirit man dies, that's what Paul describes as the true death. When, when you live eternally away from God, separated from him in hell, no way to get back. How long can you reject God's word and remain in his will, in his presence, in his plan for your life? This is our reality. This is our reality. You see, Jesus, he's with his disciples in this moment. I love Jesus. Anybody love Jesus in the house? Jesus, he's with his disciples and this moment happens, his disciples, they've been with him for a little bit now, and this is kind of more closer to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and it's actually the first time we have a recorded question from the disciples that is asking Jesus to teach them something. I mean, they've asked other questions, obviously, but this is the first time we see the disciples actually going, hey, not just following you, not just watching you, not just kind of being around while Jesus does things and then taking some of the credit for it. No, no, this is the first time the disciples are actually saying, hey, can you can you teach me that? Yeah. And it's mind-blowing because it's not like, hey, can you teach me to cast out demons? Can you teach me to split the bread and multiply it? Can you teach me to uh, save Jarius' daughter who's sick and falling asleep for three days? Like, can you, like, it's none of these things. In fact, it's, it's the seed of these things. It's the reality of these things. It's the place that we are called to live and exist from as Christians, as new creations, as sons and daughters who were adopted into the kingdom of heaven. Hear me today. God, in his grace, with putting Jesus on a cross for you and me, had zero plans of simply having adoptions and then having a bunch of kids who don't look like him, who don't talk like him, and who don't act like him. No, that's why there's a death. That's why there's a rebirth. That's why you're born again. That's why he calls you a new creation. Because then, once you're dead and he can live through you, you are a new creation in Christ. And all of a sudden, new creation you starts to look like him, starts to talk like him, starts to believe like him, starts to act like him, starts to walk like him, starts to pray like him. And so the disciples, they go, Jesus, can you teach us like how to pray? And I love that phrase. I love that because here's these Jewish boys who've been going to synagogue their whole lives, right, Micah? They're going to synagogue and they've seen all the religious prayers. They've seen all the rabbis. They've seen all of the shawls and all the tootsies and all of the things that go along with, you know, Jewish tradition at the time in synagogue and temple. They've seen prayer. Some of them for 30 years. They've lived this Jewish upbringing and they're going to Jesus. Can you teach me how to pray? Well, they've been around church. They've been in church their whole lives. Why do they need that? It's not that they're unfamiliar with prayer. They're unfamiliar with prayer that moves heaven. It's not that they're unfamiliar with prayer. They're unfamiliar with prayer that makes the natural bow to the supernatural. Yeah, it's not that they're unfamiliar with prayer. They're, they're unfamiliar with prayer that makes raging seas come still. They're unfamiliar with prayer that makes bones healed. They're unfamiliar with prayer that makes demons run in the other direction when they open up their mouths, amen? This is what they're unfamiliar with. They're not unfamiliar with the religious antics of prayer and contrite and getting humble and low. No, they're not unaware of those things. They're unaware of actual prayer that changes everything. Yeah. 
and probably what they're most mind blown by is prayer that they can actually pray and they will know that God not only hears them, but God will bless them. They're watching Jesus never be told no. They're watching Jesus never be left on red. They're watching Jesus lift up every need, every situation, every person, every circumstance, and watching heaven invade the moment and turn it around. That's what they're seeing, and that's what they're asking for. Teach us how to pray. I wonder today, when's the last time you asked, well, when's the last, you asked, when's the last time you asked God to teach you anything? Teach me how to be a better husband. Teach me how to be a good boyfriend. Teach me how to be a good girlfriend. Teach me how to, how to be obedient when my parents are unsaved and heathens. Like, teach me how do I, are you hearing me? Teach me how to get out of debt. Teach me how to be a good steward of my money. Teach me how to be sexually pure. Teach me, God. Teach me, God. Teach me, God. When is the last time his bride asked him, will you teach me? Let alone teach me how to pray. Amen. And so he goes and they ask, and Jesus is awesome. I love it. Jesus, he starts it off. He goes, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, pause right there. This is massive. Because he didn't say, well, should you find yourself with some sort of time that you didn't plan for but can pray? No. He didn't say, hey, should you find yourself on the side of the road with a flat tire and you need to throw up a Hail Mary last-ditch effort resort? He didn't say, hey, when a prayer is convenient for you. Hey, when your wife, man, pressures you into getting a secret place. He didn't say any of that. Hey, mom and dad, when your kids are on more on fire than you are, and they're telling you to get a secret place, when that happens, you... I think I'm covering the gamut, right? Hey, when you're single and lost and don't know what else to do, pray. No. Jesus but just brings it right to our front door, and he says, no, when you pray. Just like when he said, let there be light, he told the Christian, when you pray. If light and creation respond to the word of God, why does the church not? When you pray, when, it's a foregone conclusion. If you're a Christian, you pray. If you're creation, you respond in agreement to the Word of God, end all, be all the conversation. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Man, our lives would be so much more simpler if we quit fighting with God about how He wants us to live our lives, and we just relented to it. You want to know why? Because it would be a huge blessing. So he goes, when do you pray? And then he goes, but don't pray like these jabronis. No, no, don't, play, don't pray like these jabronis who stand on their platforms and spout platitudes and on the street corner with huge words and soliloquies, just boisterous about God and all that he's going to do. And, uh. and he's like, don't be like these guys. Well, then all of a sudden, because we're human, we get a little nutty, and we start going, well, why do we pray the way we do in church? We pray prophetic, uh, uh, authoritative prayers in our church. We pray publicly in our church. Like, should we not be doing that? No, no, Jesus, he doesn't actually say any of this is sin or any of this is bad. The next sentence tells us what Jesus thinks. 
Not that street corner preaching and street corner prayer is bad. Not that you shouldn't pray over somebody at Walmart or in the mall parking lot. Not that you shouldn't lift up authoritative, loud prayers, letting all of hell know you better back down because I represent heaven. He's not saying none of that. What he says next is, like these jabronis, because of their motive. Because of their motive. Remember, God is always looking at the heart, which is why you can't fool him which is why your sanctification process has to be real and authentic, which is why you have to really give him your life to be changed because you will get to a place on the Christian life where you can no longer fake it because you will not make it outside of the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. And he says, unlike these jabronis, whose motive that they may be seen by all those around. And he goes, surely I tell you, they've already received their reward. Young people, don't live for the gram or live for the TikTok. Don't live for the social media likes. Listen, I'm not trying to win friends and have great influence or whatever that dumb book is. I'm trying to raise up Christians. I'm trying to raise up grave diggers who bring people back to life. I'm trying to raise up a brazen group of people in the Midwest region who will settle for nothing less than God's best. He goes, they've already received their reward. How silly would it be if you got to the end of your life and realized all the rewards you got, you already had. You see, we got to get to a place, we haven't taught this in a long time as the church, because uh, it went the way of seeker-friendly Christianity. And uh, let me tell you, God is pretty clear you actually do get rewards in heaven for what you do here on earth. He's really clear on that. It's all throughout the Bible. We just wanted to be like, us oh, not works, it's by grace. It's by grace, not by works. Come on, pastor, you're getting legalistic with it. And it's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. Faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. And why is that? Because Jesus is actually really excited for when you get to heaven. Jesus is really excited for you to die. It's gonna be awesome. He wants you to die now, so he can live, and he wants you to die later so he can spend forever with you. But one of those things that he's excited about is that he's actually, Revelation tells us, he is gonna place a crown on your head. And that crown has jewels in it. And those jewels are based off what you did with your life here and now for his glory. Hear me. So you're living for the crown of politicians. You're living for the crown of Instagram. You're living for the crown of your family. You're living for the crown of people on social media that you'll never meet that don't actually like you, just like your photos. So often we're living for the crowns and the jewels within them of something so shallow when Jesus, Lord God himself is saying, no, I'm actually gonna bring you a crown. I'm gonna place it on your head. And then the better news is, who's ready for the good news? The good news is that we actually in that moment, we then take that crown off and we throw it at his feet. Well, Matt, why would we do that? Because Jesus is better than any gift he gives us. Thank you for this crown, Lord. Thank you for the jewels. Thank you for recognizing what I've done for you. I love you. I would do even more if I could. And let me start right now. This eternal crown that does not fade, that does not wither, that will not be broken down, will not be parted up, will not be broken into pieces to be made into other jewelry, but no, will exist forever at the feet of Jesus on his throne while he rules and he reigns. Here you go, God. I just want you. Yeah. Come 
And so Jesus goes, when you pray, though, you go into the secret place. And your father is in secret. First of all, we need to stop right there. When you pray, foregone conclusion. You're a Christian. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. Guess what you do? You pray. You pray. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Matt. I'm a mom. I'm a businessman. I'm a, I got a career. I got college. I understand. I didn't say prayer would be convenient. I didn't say prayer would be convenient. I didn't say any relationship would be convenient. In fact, we live in a world right now where people prefer relationships of convenience instead of relationships of commitment. But Jesus isn't one of those. First of all, you are his bride and he will not be your side chick. Hear me, hear me. He doesn't take part in your life. He takes over your life. He's not your side chick. Hear me. Hear me. So he says, you go into secret because your father is in secret. Foregone conclusion, you have prayer life and you have a place where you prayer and you go in and you pray, and you seek, and you fast, and you get messy snotty before Jesus, and that is how you live your life. Amazing how many people give up on having a life of prayer because they go, why doesn't see any fruit from it? First of all, uh, fruit has to be grown. It's not given, okay? And relationships aren't just automatically awesome. They're developed. They're developed. So all of a sudden we give up and we go without and all of a sudden we live prayerless, powerless lives being tossed to and fro by every TikTok preacher and every sin that comes our way. You know, it's always really funny is when we're discipling people and they're caught up in habitual sin and they're coming to you, you know, six months too late going, oh, I've been in this, been in this, been in that. I'm like, oh man, how's your prayer life? You living a life of prayer? Nah, I ain't talked to God in a minute. Why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? You go home. You put your face in the carpet. You tell him you're sorry, and you tell him you want him, and he will meet you there. Because I love what Jesus says. This is emphatic. He says, go into the secret, hidden, hidden place. Hear me today. Where your father is in secret. Here, when Jesus said something, he meant it, amen. And if he meant it, that means there's eternal consequences attached to it, amen. So therefore, what we can draw from this portion of scripture is your father means not his father, not his father alone, but your father. Your father is in secret. So what's that mean? I need you to learn to pierce the veil every day. He's hidden himself because in the perfect relationship, with the perfect heart and the perfect posture, obviously mirroring God's perfect life, perfect heart, perfect posture. Mystery, mystery will draw you in. Mystery draws you close. Mystery is exciting. But out of alignment, improper heart, damaged goods, broken identities, worldview shaped by the world and not by the church, not by the word of God, well, suddenly, suddenly, Mystery is, well, it's uncomfortable and we don't like it. 
And so we'll push it away because that doesn't seem like God to hide himself from us. No, it's his joy that you seek him out. It's his joy that you seek him out. And then Jesus says, and guess what? Your father, our dad, he'll reward you in the hidden place, in the secret place. Can I tell you today, church, the most important, substantive, I don't know if that's a word, most important, most important, powerful, and worth your life thing that you will ever do, nobody should ever see. We live in a world where your worth and your wage is based off what you do while others are watching you do it. Yet we come from a world where your worth and your wage and your reward is all given to you, spoken to you, and bestowed upon you by your Father in what? The hidden place. And I preach to anybody this morning, the most powerful thing that you will ever do the greatest thing you will ever take part in, nobody else will see besides you and who? Your father. I know I'm running the clock here, but I'm good with it. Briefly, I love, I love this verse. In fact, it actually holds one of my favorite Bible verses, probably my favorite Bible verse in all of the Bible. But what I, what I love is that when I was 16 years old, I met Jesus. And I came from an abusive home. I was a drug baby. For, for 15 years, I was just beaten and battered and abused emotionally and physically. And by not just one of my parents, but both of my parents and, and their friends who were around. And I lived a pretty hellish life. Not because I was living like hell, I was just happened to live in hell. And the same kid who once I have his lead stuck in my hand, he stabbed me in the arm because I was making fun of him for being a Christian before I knew any better. Same kid led me to the Lord the day after while I was covered in bruises, stitches, and crusty blood from my dad throwing me through a glass sliding door. He led me to the Lord when he brought me to church that next day. And I heard, <laughs> I didn't understand. The fog machine was up and these band guys, they had tattoos. And I was like, what is this? And they sounded like Creed. And I was like, Creed sucks, but this isn't half bad. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord, you know, <laughs> just like that. And I didn't know. I didn't know any of this. I didn't understand the world that I was being brought into and that God was preparing me. But they played this song that has marked me that has marked me. Worship team, I'll ask you to come up in a second. I just don't want you to have to stand that one. But it marked me. They played the song that said, take me to this place, Lord, to this secret place where I can be with you and you can make me like you. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Take me to that place, Lord, to that secret place where I can be with you and you can make me like you. Now, unfortunately, this beautiful song has gone into obscurity and you can barely find it online. If you can, it's somebody using it as a tag and not even the full song. So it only exists in the hearts of the people 
who were around and saved at that time. And, and I was one of them. And what happened was I didn't realize, I was like, my dad uses his hands to beat me, but my heavenly father uses his hands to make me like him, to change me, to profound, profoundly redirect my entire life, the trajectory of not just my earthly life, but my eternal life. It all changed in that moment. And not only did it change, there was actually an avenue where I could shed the mortal coils of my father and the generational curses attached to it and the broken mindsets and the poor sexual identity that came along with it, the womanizing that came along with it, the abuse that came along with it. I could shed this coil of Ted and I could go into a place even in the midst of my hellish home, I could barricade myself into a room, my room. I could lock the door. I could turn the lights off. I could put my face in the shag carpet and I could say, and I did. You bet I did. I sang that song till the wheels came off. I sang that song till I couldn't sing anymore. I prophesied that in my bedroom as long as I possibly could until the fighting ceased outside until they finally left, until peace entered my room like a wind. And I just sat there and I said, take me to that place, Lord, that's out of this room where I can be with you. Hey God, I don't have to remain as I am, but I can actually be made like you. I can actually be made like you in the secret place. Worship team, you can make your way up here in the secret place. So many Christians have no idea what to pray for because they don't really know who they're praying to. You will never ask a stranger for anything if you don't know what they possess if you don't have foreknowledge of what they have, if you think you will live a life of security, comfort, and feeling like you can go to God when you are in desperate need, but you don't have actual relationship with him, you won't reach out in your darkest moments because you don't know him. You don't know him. You see, I come from a, a broken home. But even I can tell you that if I didn't have moments of sitting with my dad and asking him questions, hearing about his life, asking him how to do things and why this happens and why that happens and why this thing took place in the world, if I didn't have those moments of actually just sitting and having a relationship with my dad, well, then you can bet your bottom dollar I'm never going to call him or reach out to him when I'm in desperate need because I've actually never formed a relationship with him. He's just a stranger that I claim to have a relationship to, but I have no clue who he is, what he's about, or what he actually brings and possesses in my life. And that's how many of us have lived 2022. And many of us, this is how we've lived. This is how we've lived our lives with God. Would you stand? My favorite verse in this Bible is where he says, on earth as it is in heaven. He says, Jesus says, your kingdom come 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wish we had more time. I got so much I want to say. But that's my favorite verse because the chief end of Jesus willingly giving his life on the cross wasn't, wasn't simply for you not to just remain the same, but for the earth not to remain the same. You see, we'll never have an arrival of revival in our region if we don't first have an arrival of revival within ourselves. We will never possess a great outpouring from us if we don't have a fresh inpouring into us. Friends, this, this thing, your relationship with God, it can't just be there. It can't just be there. It's not this ethereal, mystical thing. It's a relationship because he's a person because he is a being, because you were created in his image and likeness and he has saved you. And he didn't save you just to have you as a pawn in his kingdom. He saved you so that you could be a son and a daughter, that he could have relationship with you in the secret in the hidden where mysteries can be revealed. Why do you think Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth? Because everyone thought they had a plan until they got knocked down. But Paul puts language to the secret place and he says, you right now are seated in heavenly places. The only thing that can knock you down when you are seated next to Jesus is what you allowed to get close and you only allowed it to get close because you never asked Jesus about it. Well, Matt, what came my way was, was sickness. I didn't see sickness coming. I didn't see adultery coming. I didn't see the, the lady at my work coming for me. You did it. You're seated next to Jesus in heavenly places. You've got his word. You're called to pray. You're called to go in the secret place. And you didn't think the entire time you were there, you should be asking him about the things that happen in life, about the frailty of the world, about the sinful nature of mankind. You didn't think being seated next to Jesus in the secret place with your Bible open that you should have started asking him some questions? We have the God who stands outside the time that before a punch is ever even thought about coming your way, he already has an answer for how you can dodge it. Problem is, too many of us aren't spending time asking him about them. How should I respond to sickness? How should I respond to adultery? How should I respond to temptation? Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to hear you. Can I tell you something the Lord said to me this week? Let this blow your mind, because it blew mine. My whole goal in life, as far as like personal goals, okay? I think it's good that we all have personal goals. Like God didn't give you gifts for you not to steward them well, amen? Like God didn't make you to do what you're made to do just for you to be average at it. You know what I mean? 
He wants you to give an excellent stewardship of it. He wants you to be found faithful with the five and not burying the one and expecting it to be good when he comes back, right? So for me, my goal in life is personal. And it's all in my head. Is that I want to be the best preacher of my entire generation. Well, Matt, there's no preaching Olympics. There is in my head, okay? But it's not because I want this massive ego or I want to be world-renowned or I want any of those things. It's because I want to know at the end of my life, I stewarded what God gave me well to the best of my ability that I put the work in. Because what he told me to do was tell everyone about him. How do I not steward that well? Well, then I was praying this week, and he goes, well, Matt, you want to be the best preacher of your generation, right? And I said, yeah. He's like, you want to be the best preacher of the Word of God in your generation, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, that's your stewardship. That's not your gift. And I was like, what do you mean it is my gift? You gave me this gift. He goes, no, no, no. I'm talking about the gift that you give to me. Your stewardship of your gift that I gave you is not a gift to me. It's called faithfulness. But I'll tell you a gift you can give me. And I was like, yeah, tell me, I can give God something? What? That's nuts. Yes, God, what would you like from me? He goes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Matt, it's not enough for you to be the greatest preacher of the word of your generation. You need to raise up the greatest hearers of the word of your generation. Faith isn't built on great preaching alone. Faith is built on hearing the word of God. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do I have anybody in the room today that is at all interested on becoming the greatest hearers of their generation? I want to give God a gift. And may it be a church that is full of the greatest hearers of the Word of God and by proxy filled with the most faith in our region. I want a faith-filled bride when all is said and done that is really good at hearing the Word of God. Amen. So right now, we're going to sing this song. If you've got kids, if you've got to go, if you've got things, I totally understand. Uh, however, we're going to go back in and we're going to sing Yeshua because we love singing God's name because we're not a church that's just interested in talking about God. No, we want to talk to God. We're not just interested in singing about God. We want to sing to God. Amen? So today, if that's you, and you are interested, you are interested in seeker place, if you are interested in jump-starting that relationship with God, we're going back in. If you're interested in growing up in your hearing of the Word of God, not just sitting underneath great preaching, but actually being hearers of the Word, but not just hearers, but doers of the Word, if that's you, come to the altar. I'm not saying you got to get on your knees. I'm saying you just come up here as you stand and you worship and you lose reckless abandonment before the Lord. You enter in. You tell him, I'm serious about this thing. I'm serious about the secret place. I'll put money in my prayer room. I will put time in my prayer room. I will make a coffee machine in my prayer room. I'll buy Bibles for my prayer room. I'll buy comfy chairs for my prayer room. I will put my money where my mouth is, Lord, because my heart needs to follow you. Amen? Worship team, 
Let it rip, Tater Chip. And let's secret place this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The hour's too late for playing around. The hour's too late for convenience. The hour's too late. This world needs on earth as it is in heaven. And the quickest way to get heaven to earth is through the funnel known as the Christian. But if heaven's not actually entering you in the secret place, how is it ever going to come out of you in the workplace? This is your moment. Come forward. Father God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you, God, right now as Christians underneath the sound of my voice and in this room right now, God, they are beginning to take up this mantle of the secret place. They're getting on their knees and they're deciding, Lord, that they are going to rearrange their lives. That today, God, today, Father God, Start that secret place relationship with me, God. I want to go further. I want to go deeper. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you give me a revelation that you are my Father. That that means I have the same relationship with you that Jesus has with you. That your yes to Jesus is a yes to me. That your no to Jesus is a no to me. That your ways for Jesus are your ways for me, God. Give me a revelation. Father, give me a revelation of give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I don't want to live off expired, sour, and stale manna like the Israelites. God, I don't want to hoard your blessing and then try and lord over your blessing. God, I want new manna, fresh bread every single day. What you have for me today, God, let it be in season. Let it be on time. Let it be anointed. Let it be appointed. I don't Yeshua, 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 right now, Yeshua, do what Yeshua does, God, please yourself in our midst, and we will be pleased with it, God, Yeshua, come, Yeshua, come, do what pleases you, O Lord, and we will respond with pleasure in it, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Exercise it now, God, in Jesus' mighty name, come.